conversations I've had. I don't know how representative they are of the whole research world. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that happened was the Paris Agreement in 2015. And of late, there's been a lot of conversation around... Hello, my dear listeners. Welcome to Soul in the Game podcast. This is your host, Saumya. And in today's episode, we will talk about climate change with one of my very good friends who is also a researcher at Arizona State University doing research on climate change. We just not only talk about climate change, we also have one of the favorite topics that is cats and mental health. Before we start, I would request you to subscribe if you have not subscribed to the show yet so that the episode next episodes will directly come into your inbox. And like and share if you resonate with any of the conversations that we discuss. Stay tuned and thank you. Hey, Snigda. Hi, welcome to Soul in the Game podcast. How are you doing? Hi, thank you for having me, Soumya. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. I'm so excited to just talk all about climate change with you. <laughs> I'm also so, excited. Yeah. I'm glad you're, like, we're doing this finally. Yes, yes. Um, so for listeners, Snigda is, in, um, is doing her PhD research on climate change topic at uh, Arizona State University in Arizona. And that's where I met her. I've known her for what, five years now. And we talk a lot about climate change, um, mental health and mm. uh, all the hot topics. Uh, but we've been talking about that even before it became super hot topic. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to chat today, Snigda. Same here. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking that you, when I first came to Arizona, you know, you guys were like my first family there, you and Salome and uh, Divya and Ramanuj. So those right. were our friends, like in the beginning, like our circle at uh, the School of Sustainability. And it's been awesome. It's good. Yeah, that was nice days. Like, I can't imagine we were all like hanging out and... <laughs> having fun being in the isolation now for pandemic for almost almost like a year now oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds so unreal yeah let's let's see what's climate change Snigda? it's a big question we hear this a lot what is it <laughs> what do you think it is oh my god that's a big question because i feel like it's almost everything you know at the heart of it we all know or most of us are taught now about, you know, global warming and how the earth is heating up as we are sending more carbon emissions into the atmosphere. And we all understand the sort of basic, you know, science behind it to an extent. But I think what most people don't think about as often is like how intricately it's tied to everything we do because, you know, fossil fuels are part of everything we do, you know, even talking on the internet or uh, when we travel or like everyday purchases, when we get groceries, 
it's everything is tied to fossil fuels and i think that's what at the heart of climate change is this idea of our lifestyles and how they're tied to fossil fuels and how that's harming the atmosphere harming us harming everything that we know and love so yeah i think that's what that's how i would describe it um yeah it it sounds very kind of um, you know scary and um, negative and um, it it's uh, but that's what it is it's not like we can't make it look nice or pretty or something it's it's what it's fact it's happening um and uh, it's it, it's uncontrollable right um because as you said we are our life is so intertwined and it is part of us right now it's it, we are part of it and um everything including the computer i'm watching you and and then the video camera i'm using so it's not like i can just give up on it and then live my life in the in the woods that wouldn't mm-hmm. be sustainable either for everyone mm-hmm. um so what's the academic work latest academic work that's happening in the in the back in the, in the research world because we see since i have been in the academic world mm-hmm. the news or the the mainstream media that i see mostly revolves around the same topic again and again mm-hmm. um, don't we don't hear much about carbon particles ppm or we don't hear about um research research details that goes into like what are the things that is happening right now um in terms of um bringing positive change right mm-hmm. we see here more of okay plastic pollution or water pollution air pollution like hot topics and all like um, just clustered around one single area and that's it so what's happening in the research world on this yeah well i don't know if i can speak to the entire research world but i can talk a little bit about what i have been working on and uh, you know some of the interactions i've had i don't know how representative they are of the whole research world um but uh, you know one of the biggest things that happened was the paris agreement in 2015 and of late there's been a lot of conversation around uh, well how effective is it have countries really you know created ambitious goals and there was a recent report that came out a few days ago which sort of said that if they haven't like countries are not being ambitious enough they are not meeting the goals that are needed to really you know scale back climate change um and one of the areas that has been sort of hot recently and i am interested in is this idea of capacity building and uh, you know it's about well given that there are differences in countries in the global north and the global south the global north being you know us europe canada all these big countries that are big emitters but they also don't suffer as much of the impacts whereas you know middle income and small low income countries and developing you know countries including india china there's debate around where these countries sit if you want to categorize them but the idea is that you know they are going to be suffering big impacts at the same time they have a lot of development challenges poverty all of these different issues that they want to deal with 
So there's this concept of capacity building or learning from each other. So how can countries collaborate or uh, teach each other? What can they teach each other? A lot of the focus has been on technological know-how uh, and transferring you know, these very technical capacities. But I also think we need to talk about culture and lifestyles and um, how we live on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think it's not about only what the big countries can teach the smaller countries, but you know we have so many sustainable societies in this in these in the global south, which are slowly being eroded, and they can also teach um, back to the bigger countries. So that's one one area where debate and research is happening. It's not always from a critical lens. They're not always talking about well, you know, what can the south teach the north or what can we think about differently? A lot of it is just very simple tech transfer and you know, technological, the technological aspects of this. Um, and another big area of late has been geoengineering, which is about manipulating the environment in ways that you take away carbon or you prevent uh, the sun's rays from entering the atmosphere too much. And that's a very controversial topic. It's actually gaining a little bit more traction lately because we haven't been able to reduce climate, you know, emissions uh, to the extent that we wanted to. So now people are like, okay, what, what can we do to fix this quickly? And some of the ideas include carbon capture, so removing carbon from the atmosphere and storing it under the ground. Uh, or uh, one of the most radical ones, I think, is I don't know what it's called, but the spraying of sulfur particles into the upper reaches of the atmosphere. So you block the sun's radiation from coming in. And that is like fraught with many different <laughs> implications for countries that we don't even understand for people around the world. So that's been a big topic. I think another big topic has been what you spoke about, right? This idea of the post-normal science or science communication and how much we have actually, um, you know, sort of muddied the conversation around climate change by keeping it so scientific and sort of creating a distinction between the scientific community and the general population. So when we talk about climate change in abstract terms, people can't relate to it. You know, even scientists have a hard time relating to climate change because it seems like it's coming into the future. There's so much uncertainty. There is so much unpredictability and humans are not, you know, not geared towards really dealing with these complexities. We, we deal with like our daily life. We don't think, we are not able to think too far ahead and when you add to that the abstract nature of science around climate change and you're not talking about people and how they're really impacted in a day-to-day -day basis, then you kind of alienate people. So I think there's been a movement of bringing the humanities and social sciences into climate change more concretely. Um, so you can kind of think about power differences, uh, different uh, cultures and how people, you know, feel climate change on the ground in their lives. Um, 
I can go on, but one more thing that I think I'll point out is that off late, especially with the whole, you know, the US, in the US with the George Floyd uh, protests last year and everything that went around policing in the US, there's been a greater impact on academia and thinking about what are the schools of sustainability we call JEDI, so justice, equity, diversity, and inclusivity. So in different ways, and dif I've seen different uh, institutions talking about that more generally, and also, you know, in environmental sciences, well, how do we bring more diversity and more different opinions here, and more representation for people from communities who suffer more, so things like that. Yeah, wow, that's a lot of uh, things. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> that, know. That's I mean, it's good there. I'm sure there are even much more, but this is a very good um, high level overview of what are the things that's been worked on right now. And um, I like the Jedi, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusiveness. And I see that more in corporate world as well, mm -hmm. uh, a lot. Inclusive and uh, diversity and inclusion is like the one of the key top key uh, hot words right now keywords that's being used um, used as in because um, that, that's the change they want to see right. in the in the world I think and uh, yeah and I don't know if it's if you notice this or if you experience this mm -hmm. um, I was going over something on the on Google and um, um, having this conversation with a friend that we were we were seeing that only all the tech tech-related uh, YouTube videos, mostly male-dominated, like it's all like 90, 90% or 95% is male domination. Or domination may not be the right word, but it's more of the men who is making those, creating those videos, creators. Mm -hmm. And women are like probably 5% of that total uh, creators zone. And now, in the, I don't know if it's because it's Women's History Month, but I go to YouTube and I see like a bunch of women uh, tech technology videos and that's being pushed to me. I was like, oh, I just had this conversation with a friend and now I'm seeing all these uh, videos that's being done in um, creators by women, right? So, mm -hmm. so that, that just to give the example, I know I'm, I'm probably going on tangent here, but bringing back that diversity and inclusion it's what we watch, what we see, a mindset or like, okay, men are more technology guys, women are not. But then the more we watch these, we, these type of videos and it becomes a norm that, okay, when women are in technology and uh, they are creators and watching that will bring in more of the, con the conditioning of our minds, that acceptance towards, we have to be, it's all equal. It's not like just male dominant. Well, I don't know if it's really equal, <laughs> but I mean, I know that there has been increasing representation of women. I still think there's, it's not equal, but at least we are having the conversations. And I know sometimes it's more about, as you said, with the, with the women's, uh, uh, the push this month, you know, um, I feel like sometimes people do it because it's fashionable. And I think that's happened to an extent with the whole, like the uh, conversation after George Floyd, where people were like, oh yeah. I mean, these are things we've known for a while, but 
sometimes it becomes more fashionable to do it or more acceptable so then people are like oh yeah we need to talk about this more but you know whatever works <laughs> i feel like even if even if it's people are doing it because it's fashionable i think it at least at least it's it better than happening. not talking about it yeah 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 same with sustainability too right like it's a, it's a more greenwashing <laughs> we call <laughs> but yeah. it happens and then underneath it's like a whole different story um Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big problem in sustainability that um, people, it's fashionable to be like, yeah, we are green and our products are green. So buy, yeah. our, buy more of our products. But the problem is that we are buying more and more. It's not, you know, yeah, we, yes, we need to buy more mindfully and we need to buy more sustainable products, but we also need to be mindful about what we are consuming, like, and how much we are consuming. Um, that's not easy, but, you know, it's yeah it's yeah it it's outside i mean outside that bubble right when i come out of that bubble i'm like bombarded with this real world scenarios I'm like do i really belong here is what i ask myself <laughs> i just want to run back but then that's not the solution either <laughs> i've also felt that outside the bubble like you know when i ever since i moved to california and i'm in silicon valley now and everyone all the tech people are here so when we hang out uh, with our friends and people who are you know in the tech industry and not thinking about sustainability on a daily basis i'm just like well but they they don't think they're not thinking about this at all or very little i mean at least now everybody is at least it's on everybody's minds because of media and it's becoming more popular but you know the deep stuff about how we can change ourselves that's still missing do you see that in the mental health space though like you know we we have talked about this before right um we we also talk when we have like this women's uh, periods issues or that how that impacts our or moods and hormones and um maybe yeah, we could that, do an episode on that as well <laughs> sometimes yeah on totally. that's i think that needs more attention a lot more attention Yeah, totally. Yeah, for another day. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted <laughs> you. No, no, no. That, I mean, I was just going to say that we talk about that mental health. Um, we have talked about mental health uh, things before and uh, climate anxiety to actually to bring into specific to this topic, climate anxiety, how we are bombarded with all this information about how th- things are going out of control in our world um, and as a scientist yourself you feel responsible right to you're you're working you're doing the research but do you have that is do you feel that weight that okay i don't have the control but i mean you're studying or is it more in terms of um, it the perspective of understanding the topic rather than providing a solution to the topic mm. yeah i don't know if i'm putting the question right um no i think i think that's a good question because like to an extent you know the scientific community has focused on understanding the issue but staying away from the politics and staying away from the action as also one of the areas that is changing now like more and more scientists and scholars from the academic world are realizing that they need to step down from their you know their thrones and 
look more into the real world and the application of their solutions and the real life you know implications of all of this because when you're thinking about things in the abstract it's different but when you're actually doing things on ground it's different and you meet different challenges and those challenges are also worth exploring worth studying and worth you know learning about learning from and then passing on to other people so i think that's an important component of it and what i'm seeing at least in with a lot of people i interact with is that people are feeling or tend to feel uh, that they have to always be doing or acting um because it's such a pressing issue and we're running out of time so people want to keep working on it but at the same time i've listened to a few uh, activists and i think they're really good at you know they know that you can't just keep fighting 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 for a justice issue because these are big and they take a lot of time and they take all of your energy so they often talk also about this component of self care or taking a step away from um from your work once in a while because if you don't first take care of yourself you can't really take care of anyone else and i think we often forget that that we have to also value our own peace of mind and it's difficult with the issue like climate change especially you know if you feel very passionate and you feel like you have to act so but i think that's another conversation that's happening kind of and needs to happen more yeah yeah it it has impact on like relationships because not everybody is in the research area and getting to know what's happening in terms of uh, climate change right and when when we are at least when i was in in the school and uh, getting all this information i had such a negative outlook about my world <laughs> and I, i mean it was a good learning because i had to like really step back it's not in my control that i cannot change mm-hmm. everything and i can only do so much and it having an impact on the relationships that i am around so mm-hmm. it it it's important to maintain the that relationship at the same time also my passion right it's um, mm-hmm. balancing that out and um, I think now I'm I feel better but mm-hmm. yeah I've been in that space I feel like a lot of undergrads and even grad master students especially who come into the school of sustainability and probably other environmental colleges they come like you know thinking they can change the world and they slowly realize that it's not that easy you have to it's it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to be just one person to do it so quite often i think that is like an initial struggle um so if people could you know at you know come in with this with this with this understanding that it's not an overnight job uh that would be great and the school can also schools can also work on building those skills and i think another aspect we were having this conversation with some uh people recently in academia about the need in in environmental schools to talk about this this mental aspect of it and the embodied and emotional responses to learning about environmental issues and i think that schools don't do a good job of that 
you know, they can do much better because we talk a lot about, like you said, like all these issues and how bad everything is, but we don't talk about how you, you will also have like a response in your body and your mind to all these things and how you can deal with it. And, you know, maybe, maybe we need to talk more about some of the positive things <laughs> or at least because yeah I don't I don't know I mean things are bad but we if we always keep focusing on the bad then it's not going to get better <laughs> yeah that, that's that's a action plan right the, what are the actions that have been done and positive stories like okay people who are actually working and then getting things done because we we need both we need the research and we need also the action parts like who are who are actually doing things and getting moving the needle like going forward in terms of making this positive change so yeah yeah. I also struggle with that myself like I think I also tend to get you know caught up in the negative and then uh not think about well people are actually doing things and there are a lot of people who are optimistic or and you know working on solutions so if you have to keep going you have to you know at some point develop some sort of a optimistic outlook or some sort of a positive outlook I think that's important yeah but having said all that you know, we are also speaking from positions of privilege and I completely (laughs) recognize that and I want to acknowledge that not everyone has this ability to say, oh, let's, you know, let's talk about self-care, let's take a step back from the world and think in the abstract, you know, not everyone has that privilege. People are caught up in their lives. Um, They have work they have children and they don't have always have the privilege of being able to step away from the problems of the world so you know those of us who have that privilege I guess can um, in the least acknowledge that in the very least yeah that is true privilege it's a privilege (laughs) we are able to at least think about uh, having the time to think about these things Mm -hmm. and and step back when when it's needed so um, that's a great point Snigta talk about your um, stepping back let's talk I know you're you're um, you're a writer used to uh, write a lot of blogs and um, songs and then play some songs as well with your beautiful ukulele. Um, I have heard in Instagram, not, not lately though, but before, have you, have you been doing that or taken a break from it? Not too much lately, you know. Um, so since I got married last year and moved in with my husband, we, I, I feel like some of my hobbies at the moment have changed a little bit. Like I'm not writing as much. I do write in my journal. I think I took a step back from the blog because I just, I realized that I was being maybe too personal there. And I thought, okay, some of this can go into a journal that nobody needs to see. (laughs) And that helps me also um, be more self-reflective and have the space because internet negativity and all of that, you know, is increasing more and more. Um, So that's one. And I, other than that, I haven't been writing too much lately, but I think that my husband and I have been, we try to 
go outdoors a little bit more lately do some hikes we did kayaking last weekend so that was fun so things like that and i'm also reading more of late i realized that if, when i have a book to return to at the end of the day i don't know it just like makes my life better and makes me feel more enriched um and look forward to life more like especially on the hard days because i love like not just i mean i like fiction and non fiction both so i especially enjoy fiction because it allows you to escape but it also allows you to empathize and um understand different world views and perspectives so i've been reading quite a bit lately yeah those are what are, what are the books which ones are you reading now i recently read a whole series by what's her name elena ferrante she's an italian author um her she had a series like the four books of called the neopolitan series and they're about they're centered around the lives of these two women and their friendship but they kind of follow the journey of these two women throughout their lives and it's based in the i think 1950s 60s 70s in italy uh and these two women are from a very poor neighborhood so it's about their lives and it's almost semi autobiographical like people don't really know who elena ferrante is she's been anonymous but it seems like it's based on some real things that she went through in her life um i've also been trying to read a lot of different uh female authors lately especially from other countries so uh who did i read isabella alande she's from colombia i'm not sure <laughs> it has been a year or so since i read her book but she is yeah she's a good author that i read recently um yeah those are some of the nice i'll take a look at them that's that's awesome so they are non fiction right or no, these are all fiction um the non fiction book i was reading right lately is called the second sex by simone de beauvoir i i'm probably butchering her name she's a french author and she was sort of one of the people who started the second wave of feminism uh and her book is really interesting it talks about how uh, it goes through you know the biological differences between men and women and how patriarchal societies have worked over time and how men have created a myth of women which often prevents women from um from you know uh expressing themselves as individuals of course she's talking in the 1940s i think she wrote it in 1949 or something like that so it's been a while but a lot of it is still i think very valid in different ways almost 100 years later <laughs> or 88 yeah. right well it's still very valid yeah and how are your cats doing you have one cat i have oh. two cats so we have luna um and when we also recently added luke so luna is 3 now and luke is 6 months old right now um so he we just wanted a second cat because a luna doesn't enjoy cuddling too much <laughs> she likes she's like her <laughs> own she likes to be on her own she's her own person and you know we respect that sometimes we like go to her for cuddles and she runs away 
So then we thought, yeah, it'd be good to have a second cat who's more cuddly. So we were specifically looking for a cuddly cat. And also it might be, we thought it would be good for Luna because she just sits around all day and she was gaining weight. So having Luke around has been really great for all of us because he loves cuddles and he's also super active and like he just like runs around after her and makes her run around the house. So she gets some exercise. He's just very, very easily excitable and plays with everything. And we actually, yeah, we hope he's going to learn some self-control <laughs> over time because right now he's just, he has none and he like, with his claws, he just grab onto things. Like he plays with my hand and my fingers and I have like scars all over my hand. <laughs> oh, he wow. He's still young though, right? Like six months is what considered very young. Yeah, six months, like he's, moving from toddler to teenage phase uh, I think like the next few months are actually going to be harder because he's going to be in his teenage phase and cats do have a teenage phase so they get like they get really disobedient and they yeah they'll be you know rebels but we're hoping that when he's around one year <laughs> he'll settle down a little bit more and be more yeah. calmer cats are like what um they're they have like their own character they're known for their character especially female cats i think isn't it yeah i mean i've had well i've had these two cats and then i had my previous roommate had a cat and i've known a few cats and they're all like so different very different personalities like luna is grumpy and she likes her distance and she just likes to lie around all day and Luke is very affectionate he just crawls under the bed like under the sheets with us at night and he just sleeps with us um <laughs> but he's also very naughty yeah they definitely have their personalities nice that's <laughs> awesome luna and luke nice. yeah so luna yeah. is based on the harry potter character <laughs> and then my husband named luke uh based on um star wars <laughs> Oh, so they are like Skywalker. different, yeah, fictional book representation. <laughs> yeah. Did oh, so? Where did you find him, the Luke? Like you said, you wanted a cuddly cat, and you found a cat. How did you find him? Yeah. So there are a number of shelters and rescue groups, um, and you can find them online. And the way that they work is that there are a few, usually they're volunteer run and people foster cats uh, in their homes and then put them up for adoption. So Luke actually has a very cute backstory. He, his foster parents found him in the engine of a Mini Cooper uh, in November where he was like two months old and it must have been cold so he crawled into the engine space and was like warming himself um, and apparently he was covered with fleas and in quite a bad condition so they took him in and they called him Cooper because they found him in a mini Cooper so and they took care of him and then they tried to find his family so a lot of these shelters will try to you know if they find a kitten they try to track his family because there's usually other kittens around but when we spoke when I spoke to his foster mom before we got him she was like we haven't been able to find his family yet um, and there's so many stray cats like the problem with stray cats or cats out in the streets is so common that people here try to do 
uh, TNR or trap neuter release. So they, if the cat is feral and cannot be domesticated, they'll take the cat in, neuter it, and then let it back out so that at least it won't have more babies. And the little kittens, they try to take them in, foster them for a few weeks. And when they're like more independent, then they adopt them out to different houses. So we found him through like one of the rescue uh, shelters online. That's great. I have a friend who does the fostering. So they had uh, one one uh, cat and then I think it got adopted and then now they are fostering another cat and the kid they have kids so they enjoy really enjoy playing around with the cat so yeah it's amazing people who do it it's it, it must be hard I know that uh Cooper's foster mom cried when she <laughs> gave her gave him over they, her and her husband were both crying so yeah yeah they were the kids noble were sad. thing to uh-huh. what it's noble it's a noble thing to do I think. yeah 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 to take care right and it might it's probably definitely hard because you can develop that relationship and uh, yeah but that's that's very nice so thankful to people who are <laughs> in the space to take care of um, uh, animals who are in a shelter animals yeah yeah yeah, and I think that there's still some people out there who want to shop animals from breeders, but we should always adopt because <laughs> there are lots of animals who need that. True. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Now, let's go back to your climate change. <laughs> yeah, we, we went... <laughs> Off field, off topic. Yeah, no, I wanted to know a little bit more about your, you know, your interests and um, climate change is a super heavy topic and uh, pe- people who are not used to listening on these subjects, it can kind of make them very heavy feeling. Yeah, you know, that's why we need like writing and art and humanities to process <laughs> process some of these heavy issues I feel like it really helps yeah so what is your um, in climate change Snigda like what are the threads because climate change is a huge topic right it, mm-hmm. it, like the whole planet what are some of the interesting threads as in if plastic pollution is part of climate change right for example or Um, diversity is part of climate change I mean you wouldn't think climate change we only think okay carbon Mm -hmm. in atmosphere that's the only thing that comes into mind as as soon as we hear global warming and then think of the carbon reduction but Mm -hmm. how is let's say um, how is somebody child labor for example let's take child labor connected to climate change can you can you help us understand do you think is it connected or is it not I feel like everything is connected because like I said our lifestyles are built around um around emissions child labor well you know we're we're um child labor in let's say the garment industry fast fashion is a big big trend and fast fashion is related to emissions and waste of uh, you know of clothing and then consumption and production uh, and the life cycle of of these garments and that is an industry where labor is exploited and some of that labor is 
uh, children and women and you know other people who are from uh, who need the work or who need uh, jobs um so that's where i i would say that what we need to think about is a radical change in our culture and lifestyles because that labor is exploited because there are people uh, who who consume fast fashion and we have a whole industry around uh keeping these trends going you know spring collection and then summer collection and winter collection and every every season you're supposed to re recycle your clothes and maybe send them out and buy new ones so um that's how i feel like it's it's hard to make that connection directly in your head but it's definitely there because our fast fashion and our lifestyle is 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 not just leading to these environmental issues but they're also leading to social issues because you know you need when on one hand you have people who are consuming quickly and who have well like in these high consumption societies on the other hand you have to have labor to support and uh you know keep that cycle going keep the production keep the consumption going so uh you know that's how i don't know if that <laughs> answer your question about the links no yeah i mean yeah of course it does it's it, you're helping to make that connection right connecting the dots because we we probably won't think about that it, i mean we don't have time to think about all those rights nikda <laughs> we are yeah yeah that's why you know when we talk about sustainability it's like often people think of the environmental but it's environmental social economic like we have to think of all those spheres and they're all, all interconnected um they're all related to each other we can't like look at them in isolation that's one of the other big things in academia recently is the is the interdisciplinary nature of all these issues because academia is generally you know built there's a philosophy department here there's a chemistry department here there's an engineering department here like everything is separate and in silos but more and more we have to talk about like, they're all connected so how can we study them study the connections and then use those connections to find solutions yeah yeah we are almost at the end of our um conversation but i want to ask you if our, our listeners like if they want to take up something to reduce climate change impact on their in their life mm-hmm. what would what are the few things you recommend action items for for all of us mm-hmm. well on the individual side i would say mindful consumption thinking more about what we are buying and why we are buying and that's not easy it's not going to happen overnight it's going to be a struggle for everyone and including me even though i like study it in the abstract and then i'm like okay what can i change about my own life it's not easy it took me for 3 years to become vegetarian um i th- that's another issue we didn't even touch on <laughs> you know factory farming and the industrial implications of agriculture so that's another area where people can be more mindful and i think yeah slowly being mindful on the individual side doing your research when you can thinking about small changes you can make in your day to day life 
But having said that, I think the real solutions need to be structural and they need to come at a higher level. So recognizing, first of all, if you're in a position of power or privilege, so if you're like, you know, an executive at a big company or you are in charge of a sales or marketing team somewhere, that's when you can think, well, what are we promoting? Um, how is it going to have social and environmental impacts? Thinking not just about the economic bottom line, but also environmental and social bottom lines. Um, because, well, companies are realizing more and more now, I think that it's not just about, you know, we can no longer just think about the economy or think about our uh, profit. Because if we don't think about climate change or other environmental and social issues, then over time, we, we are not going to be sustainable as a company because we are going to suffer the impacts of, of climate change, no matter where we are or who we are. So that is a second area. And then the third thing that almost everyone can do is kind of find out what's going on locally and nationally um, and you know how you can uh, get behind political candidates who are more progressive and who are thinking about environmental and social concerns more and how you can, um, you know, voting for them, maybe even calling your representatives if there's a specific issue that needs attention. I think that's something almost everyone can do. And then having conversations with people around you, um, they're not easy like I've had some hard conversations and it gets emotional and you get angry like, why can't you see my point of view uh, but I think over time it helps and even like with some people maybe you can't have that conversation if they're too stubborn <laughs> or you're just like well we can't you know go beyond a point but with most people you can try to you know at least see some middle ground, maybe shift their opinion a little bit, even if you get them thinking in a different way, I think that that's helpful, that's a start. So I think those are yeah. some things that almost everyone can do. I love that. I love the list. I wrote it down, Snigda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I really like the second point you mentioned, if people who are in power positions have the ability to make the change, even it, it's structural change in the system they're working in. I think that's such a great point that the better leaders we are, the better mindful and um, uh, conscious leaders we become. Mm -hmm. the, the top down, it's faster. The change is faster in the top down structure. Of course, bottom up is awesome as well. It's we are demanding as consumers. Yeah, but, we that, need both, but yeah. Right, right. Yeah, we need both. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, but uh, people in that power positions are the ones who have that ability to immediately, you know, change. And um, yeah, I love that point you mentioned. Yeah. And also, you know, we need to find people who think, think alike, we not just people we disagree with, but you need to draw strength from people who are on the same page as you, because, you know, like we talk about the bubble as a negative thing off late, but it's also good to recognize your bubble and maybe sometimes you need to retreat to your bubble to you know get your strength back and replenish your energy so that you can go back out there um and <laughs> have these conversations so that's also yeah yeah the, i think 
the terminology that um, on the on this side outside of the bubble is used is communities so mm. the communities we are involved with and uh, i love that terminology it's like um, i miss i miss those communities right having that conversation because it gives you energy it, it's like fills you up and we can't just think okay i'm in the bubble so i have to be like this but it actually fills you up and you can go out and bring do the changes that you've been thinking of doing so yeah definitely yeah very important yeah anything else last few things any any thoughts or any anything else you want to share snigda um i think yeah one more thing that i would say is that the emotional uh reaction to all of this is is a big issue for everyone uh, i think what has helped me has been being more reflective and mindful about what you know about what i can change can't change how to take care of myself um and yeah i think that that is very important so maybe we can also all have more conversations about the emotional side of this and the mental health side of this i think that's also very important i guess yeah that's all yeah yeah i i i love that and i see the total value and importance of that um, that conversation so yeah thank you so much snigda i really appreciate you taking time i know you're very busy you're doing your research and <laughs> but i really appreciate taking time to come and uh, share your knowledge with me and the listeners on this podcast thank you so much for having me it was it was a lot of fun <laughs> just talking yeah <laughs> all right okay bye, bye. hope you enjoyed this production from soul in the game podcast if you have any feedback please reach out to me on anchor messages you can leave voice message at anchor about this podcast or you can leave comments on youtube facebook or you know me on instagram until then take care